we're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Camp house time again at Kinder Outdoors. I'm sure glad you're here with us. This is the place where we're fishing you a Merry Christmas, giving away a trip to Costa Rica for you and two guests. Fishing with our friends at Carib Sea Sport Fishing, staying at Casa Carib Sea, it's a big deal. And you can register at kinderoutdoors.com for our fall contest, fishing you a Merry Christmas. Hey, we're going to go bird hunting today. We're headed to Montana with my buddy Pete Delkus. He's been up there, golly, about a month. <laughs> we're going to find out what the sharp tails and the sage grouse and the huns and the spruce grouse and all those birds in Montana are looking this year. We're going to check on our West Texas and South Texas quail with Brad Kabekcha, with Tall Timbers Quail Research in East Texas, and the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch and Foundation in West Texas. Front Door to the Camp House brought to you by Fortiflora. If you own a bird dog, hey, you've got to keep Fortiflora handy. A hard day's work in the field, we've all seen it. It can cause GI upset in our dogs. And Fortiflora fixes that, makes them feel a lot better tomorrow morning when it's time to go again. Fortiflora. Order it from Chewy.com. Many of our quails, particularly Bob White's, have been in trouble over the past decades. Dwindling numbers. Why? A lot of folks are researching that and trying to figure it out. And that takes money. I'm so proud to be a member of the Quail Coalition, the backbone and driving force behind state-of-the-art, frontline quail research. Jay Stein is the guy that keeps the lights turned on at the Quail Coalition. I'm tickled you're spending a little time with us today, Jay. Thank you, and welcome back. You bet. Thanks for having me. It's a busy time uh, for Park City's Quail Coalition. Uh, there's a lot going on. The Dallas Gun Club is going to host the third annual, I can't believe it's the third already, uh, sporting clay shoot uh, coming up right around the corner. Yes, sir. Uh, this, I mean, just a little history. We, we started this event in 2020 uh, really just as a reason to get outside. As, as you'll remember, that was right in the thick of COVID, and uh, people wanted to get out and mingle and, and do some fun things, and, and that kind of gave us the idea of starting this event, and uh, it was so popular that it, it kind of latched on, and we've turned it into an annual event. We sell out every year, and uh, I think we announced it uh, earlier this week, and already already seeing the registrations flow in. Uh, tell us uh, the, the nuts and bolts. If we want to come shoot uh, for uh, with Park City's Quail, where and when? Uh, it's Dallas Gun Club, October 25th. Um, which is a Tuesday. Uh, we've got, as you know, uh, quite a few Quail Coalition events on Thursday, some banquets in Fort Worth and Midland and Austin, so kind of trying to get it in the middle of the week so we can let our other chapters steal the spotlight for their events. But uh, it'll be from 2 to 7, so we'll check in at 2, have a clay shoot and a nice dinner afterwards, and then uh, we'll have a check presentation. It's not many clay shoots you go to where you give away 1.3 million dollars, but we're going to do it. Uh, we've got a lot of <laughs> a lot of grants from 2022. We're going to fund and write some big checks and um, kind of have a combined event where we can do two birds with one stone. But uh, you know, we certainly want to thank our sponsors. Our title sponsor is United Mechanical. Uh, they've sponsored it every year. That helps us put this event on and uh, make a little money. 
And uh, our cup sponsor is Lone Star Ag Credit. We give away a nice logo cup, so uh, I want to thank them for their support, and we're looking forward to a great event. You bet. And listen, if uh, if our quails, particularly our Texas Bob Whites and Blues, are important to you and the research that that aids and, and supports those quail, if that's important to you, you might want to come in as a uh, sponsor of this event. There are different levels of sponsorship. If folks want to know more, they can talk to you about that, right? Sure, or they can go to our website. Uh, it's parkcitiesquail.org. Uh, but, yeah, we have several levels. We just we have a basic shooting spot. We have a basic shooting team. We, you know, If you want to promote your business, we've got uh, sign sponsors where you can sponsor a station. We'll put a sign out. And then, like I say, we've got the, the big sponsors that have really helped us out. Yep. Uh, hey, listen, you guys, uh, is it true? I heard a rumor you guys are actually providing the shotgun shells for if you bring a 12 or a 20. We do, yep. It comes with a golf cart uh, and shotgun shells and, you know, a nice gift package from our sponsors. So uh, it's all inclusive. Just show up. Dinner's free. We'll have an open bar uh, after the shoot, obviously, but uh, having a barbecue dinner and, and some cold beer and have a good time. Uh, hey, listen, Jay, always a pleasure to talk to you. Do you have some uh, – some hunts lined out for this fall that you're looking forward to? Where are you taking well, the Well, I do. You know, as I mentioned, pretty busy schedule in October, but uh, first week of November I'm uh, running down to Joshua Creek, who is, is one of our great sponsors at several of our events, and going to do a upland hunt down there. And uh, the day after that, back up to Greystone, who also sponsors a few of our events with some, some great auction items. So <laughs> my shotgun's itching yeah. to get in the field, and I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I just shot another really nice axis deer down at Joshua Creek a couple of months ago. Some of my favorite folks down there, Joe and Ann and, and uh, that bunch. So I know you're going to have a good time. You're going to eat good down there, too. Jay, thanks for the time. Always. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Jay Stein with Quail Coalition. Calming Care is a revolutionary product from my very smart friends at Purina. It gently, over time, settles the overactive dog, the overbarker, the overjumper. If that's your dog, check into Calming Care. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. Hi, I'm Toxie Hayes. I'm Cus Strickland. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it. In my mossy oak. With Kinder Outdoors. How about crisp, clean air, endless water, and marlin after marlin for Christmas this year? That's what we have in mind for you and two of your friends or family at Carib Sea Sport Fishing and Kinder Outdoors. The lodging, dining, and fishing is on us in Costa Rica. Five nights in our beachfront penthouse. Three days fishing some of the most fertile water on the planet. Stay tuned and enter soon. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. 
cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com John Payne and his Tejas Ranch Fence Company know that there's no cookie-cutter approach. Every job, every ranch, every lay of land is unique and custom. We're able to take a look at the owner's intent, the individual characteristics of the property, and really come up with a solution that works for them. We've got a great team here that has a passion for what we do. Your land, our passion. We love bringing out the best in your property. TejasRanchFence.com The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple, to put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org Dove hunting in Argentina is well documented, but as my friends at JJ Caseria, Cordoba Doves will tell you, the duck hunting is unmatched anywhere in the world. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative for JJ Caseria. The duck lodge uh, is in Corrientes. We shoot 30 ducks in the morning and 10 per days in the afternoon. We have 11 different species of ducks. We have a duck season from the 15th of April to the 31st of August. You are assured before you ever leave American soil that you're going to feel welcome and at home when you hunt with your new friends at J.J. Castelleria. Our lodge is beautiful. It's four years old. It has 10 double bedrooms, all with private baths, all heated and air-conditioned. Uh, it's very comfortable. We don't put on air, so you'll feel as relaxed in the lodge as you do in your living room. Hunt world-class doves and ducks in Argentina. Plan next year now by visiting CordobaDoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. Cresta Fishing, the art of going fishing when you should be painting the house. Hey, wait for us. Welcome to the Kinder Outdoors Camp House. Lots of things can start GI upset in our dogs. Something as simple as a change in routine or a change in water. If you own a dog, you should keep Fortiflora in your refrigerator. Fortiflora works great as a preventative as well as a cure for GI upset. Florida, Flora. Learn more about it at kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, I want you guys to meet one of the sharpest quail mines on planet Earth. His name is Brad Kabechka. He's with Tall Timbers, East Texas Quail Research, and the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation out in West Texas. 
He lives and breathes this stuff, and I'm glad to have you on the show. been wanting to get you here for a while, Brad. Welcome. Good to have you here. Well, thanks for having me on, Billy. Absolutely. You bet. I want to tell folks who you are right off the bat. First of all, uh, you are uh, with the Tall Timbers Research Station in East Texas. You're the director there, and a lot of people don't even realize that, hey, wait a minute, I thought Tall Timbers was in Tallahassee, Florida, and it is, but this is something fairly new, right? Yeah, our program started in 2020 or so, and uh, Tall Timbers' Game Bird program has really been expanding. Um, we're based out of North Florida, but uh, we have a lot of satellite projects and or programs, I, I guess I should say, because they're they're a lot more than two-year projects. They're they're full-fledged programs, um, endowed positions, and, and a lot of those. So the the Albany Quail Project, which um, some of your listeners may be familiar with, out of Albany, Georgia, South Georgia. It used to be it's an independent effort with Auburn, and um, that was um, taken under the Tall Timbers umbrella um, in the mid-2000s or so. And so that, that's one of our, our regional programs. We have a regional program in the Carolinas, um, a regional program in Central Florida, and, of course, our newest program is the Western Piney Woods Quail Program, which is based in East Texas, and we service basically uh, western Louisiana and southwestern Arkansas, but um, focus strongly in, in eastern Texas and the Piney Woods. Before we move out to uh, West Texas, which I call kind of the, the last bastion for the Bob White quail, the last stronghold, uh, let's talk about East Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and all that country through there that, boy, it was just you took it for granted 60, 80 years ago, 90 years ago. That was It, it was just, hey, you're down south and you're going to wade through Bob White quail wherever you go. And then something happened, and you guys are trying to figure that out, right? Yeah, you're exactly right, you know, and I don't think we talk about this part of the world enough, and there's so much research that's been done in the Rolling Plains, South Texas, and in these in these key quail landscapes, as you call them, the last bastions, where, um, take for example, South Texas. If we remain the status quo from today till eternity, they'll probably have quail because of the status quo and the general management that's done there. Um, if we remain maintain the status quo in East Texas, well, we're not going to have quail, but we have a, we have a good reason in which we think why. Now, that was my personal opinion, by the way, of the status quo, but, sure. <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's my professional opinion on that. But um, in East Texas, uh, you're right. Um, populations were historically great. Um, they would rival or exceed those in South Texas and in the Rolling Plains. And, and when we compare the two, um, you look at East Texas and you look at that drought map that a lot of folks uh, post on their website of uh, the state. And East Texas right now, the counties that we're working in, is not in a drought. And uh, and so we have a lot of potential in that in that respect. I, I was at a, a conference a couple weeks ago, a national quail symposium, and I saw Lenny Brennan there. And he said, you know, that, that part of East Texas should be the most productive part of the state for quail. And I thought I wholeheartedly agree. Um, but management is key, and so in, in in our region, at least in the southeast, uh, we get a lot of rainfall, way more than South Texas or or the Rolling Plains, where uh, where populations are really erratic. They kind of go through this boom bust um, cycle. Whereas if you look at other regions, like the, in the southeast, they don't typically have that strong of boom bust fluctuations. Um, rather, a lot of their management is their, their, their population growth and changes are, are management-driven. And, uh, you know, so 
in, in that regards, that that gives us some some uh, feeling of hope, really, because that tells us that we can do something about this in East Texas. And while there hasn't been any research or really any um, any uh, attention afforded to the eastern part of the state for Bob White, really over the last 30 years, um, there are still some Bob White populations hanging on in, in certain areas where uh, where prescribed fire, one of the most absolutely essential tools for, for quail management in our region, um, is still being applied and timber practices are, are somewhat amenable for those bobwhite populations. So, you know, when we compare these regions, East Texas has a lot of potential, but a, a lot of it is management driven. So what we're trying to do with our program in East Texas is really take the blueprint on what's been done in other parts of the Southeast that's been really successful, for example, in the Red Hills region of North Florida or the Albany region is Albany quail properties in, in South Georgia. Collectively, those are about almost a million acres of, of quail properties that uh, over the last 30 years have done nothing but increase, really. And um, the good old days for quail there are really right now. Um, wow. Those folks are, yeah. And, and, and folks don't really know that. And those are wild birds. This, this, and folks think about, think about Georgia quail plantations. Sometimes they think about pen-raised birds. These are wild birds. And... Um, the the marriage between really um, researchers and land managers and um, that that really uh, want to learn about how can we put quail back on the landscape was what kind of built this tall timbers model of working with these plantations and these groups of folks to learn how can we apply management that is that's most beneficial for quail and over the last multiple decades they've been able to come up with kind of a recipe and and uh, of course that one of the biggest ingredients as I mentioned is, is prescribed fire so uh, to basically take that model from the southeast and then put it in East Texas now we know that there's going to be some differences there are going to be differences in soil types and this and that and so maybe instead of applying fire on a, a two-year return interval maybe it's a three-year return interval um, and looking how vegetation responds in these different systems we might have to tweak it, but there is a blueprint that's available for us, essentially. Um, so really, we're, we're go going beyond the, just the research, but we're in both research mode, but also expansion and recovery mode in an area that really has great potential. I love your optimism, and I feel better about East Texas right now than I have felt since I was a kid, <laughs> uh, just yeah. from listening yeah. to you. Because, there, hey, all I've ever heard is, well, we got rid of all the habitat, and then the fire ants destroyed what was left over, and until somebody digs in like you and does some research and some work, and, and I love this optimistic uh, look at uh, East, not only East Texas, but Louisiana, Mississippi, all across there. Yeah. The, the neat thing about East Texas, at least in the Piney Woods, you know, you, you thin some of that stuff up, you, apply, you put some fire on the ground, and uh, a lot of these places have been in some sort of forestry practice for a long time, so they haven't seen Bermuda grass. Some of the areas have a little bahia or whatever, but... Um, you, you apply some of these practices, and the, the key in, uh, vegetation response that we're looking for usually comes along with the management. So if we thin, we are usually going to see some sunlight opening up to the forest floor. We'll see some perennial grasses uh, follow that in response, and then we need to maintain that through fire. But uh, you go to other parts of Texas, maybe that's predominantly the landscape is dominated by Bermuda grass and other things. Yeah, I think the challenge would actually be stronger. So 
you know, folks think about East Texas as being a real push-up, I think about it as, um, hey, we, we apply a few steps, and I think that we could be close. Um, but not, not to say that it's not it's going to be easy, but, uh, you know, it's maybe not as, as out there and out of reach as many might might think. Excellent. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a little break. I hope you can hang around with me because I want to talk about West Texas and the quail, uh, Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch, what's going on out there, and maybe you give us a little bird forecast for West Texas, South Texas. Sure. Doing a little bird hunting on the show today with Brad Kabekcha, Rolling Plains Quail Foundation and the new Tall Timbers Research Station in East Texas. Hi, this is Bobby Labonte, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo makes possible important work for wildlife and wild places all over the globe. Your ticket to the DSC Convention will ensure that future generations understand and enjoy the outdoors and that you will continue to enjoy hunting, fishing, trapping, and shooting. I'm Corey Mason with DSC inviting you to Dallas January 5th through the 8th. Details are at biggame.org. At Classic Chevrolet Grapevine. We know all about the early morning memories made in the cab of the truck. Because it's fun to um, be able to uh, do something with my dad and my older brother. So what time did you have to get up this morning to uh, to get all the way down here dressed and fed and ready to go? 4.30. 4.30. Don't you normally get up about 4.30, though? Mm-hmm. No. no way. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's fun, though, when you're coming out to the dove field to get up that early. It's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yes. There you very. go. Did you see your daddy shooting at that dove right then? Yes. Do you see that dove still flying? Uh, probably. <laughs> At Classic Chevrolet in Grapevine, Texas, we know that the cab of the truck is a special place. It's where family heritage is carried down the trail. Important things happen here. Trusted conversations, understanding smiles, life's victories and laughter, sometimes tears. We're honored to ride along with your family. ClassicChevrolet.com. Hey, crappie fans, if you love crappie fishing, Crappie Expo, Branson, Missouri, October the 20th through the 22nd. More than 100 exhibitors. It's all crappie. Get the latest and greatest. Also, the world's largest crappie fry, hush puppies and taters. Mmm, Pro crappie teams fishing for over $300,000. Meet the pros, seminars and concerts daily. Giving away $10,000 on Friday and again on Saturday. Cash is king. That man's crazy. CrappieExpo.com. CrappieExpo.com. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com.
Hey guys, you've got to get this right. Take your venison to Cinnamon Creek Ranch. Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing. Hands down, the best anywhere. And when you're having those sausages and ground meat made up, don't forget the chicken fried steak. Better than beef and so tender you can cut them with a fork. Yeah, we run them through the tenderizer two or three times depending on you know how thick they want them. And uh, we take all the silver and all the fat and anything. It's just pure meat. And when you see that hog rooting around, put him in the bed of the truck and take him to Joe Masakio's Cinnamon Creek Ranch. People don't realize how good tasting they are, wild hogs. Um, if you keep them around 150 or just shy of 200, they're really, really good eating. Um, sausage and uh, stickers, which are, we take them out of the hams and we marinate them and, and put them on a skewer. And, man, they're, they're the cat's meow, man. Cinnamon Creek Ranch Wild Game Processing, Roanoke, Texas. Premier in the wild game industry. CinnamonCreekRanch.com Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. hunt and fish and you'll never see him again sit down and prop up your boots with us here at kinder outdoors you know whether we're talking about west texas quail or south dakota pheasants or chuckers in idaho doesn't matter there's one common thread through it all the bird dog guys that know like 90 percent of them know what their dogs need feed purina pro plan Performance formula in the Purple Sport Bag. 30% protein, 20% fat. You'll find it at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Let's go to the great state of Montana, where my buddy Pete Delkus has been chasing those upland birds up there for, boy, almost a month now. Pete, welcome back, and how are you? I'm doing fine, Bill. Doing fine. We've got some rain up here this morning, so that's all good news. It'll be better for the uh, the dogs to smell all the different birds we're hunting this afternoon. Scenting conditions should be really good this afternoon when you turn them loose. Uh, for folks that don't know, Montana is a bird hunter's dream. That's why you and I have been going up there forever, because there are so many different species of birds that you can hunt literally all over the state. No, it, it, it's remarkable. I mean, if you're in the prairies, you know, you're, you're going after you know, Hungarian partridge, sharp-tailed grouse, maybe sage grouse if they're in season or you're able to hunt them in your area. And I would only recommend shooting one. You don't need two for the rest of your life. They're not the most tasty bird in the world, but they're certainly a trophy. And uh, so you have those three. And then you head into the mountains and you have blue grouse, 
rough grouse, spruce grouse. You get high enough in some parts of Montana in the mountains, you can find wild chuckers. And then, of course, you can also find the Hungarian partridge. And then not to mention, once pheasant season opens in the middle of October, you have pheasants. So it's kind of that duck hunter who goes out, and you just don't know what birds are going to come into, you know, come into you in the morning. And, it, you know, with, with, with Montana, you know, if you're hunting in the prairies, you know, you've got the huns, you have the sharp tails and the sage grouse. Or in the mountains, you just don't know. So it's it's kind of a potpourri of birds, Bill, and it's awesome <laughs> up here this time of year. Oh, it is so awesome up there this time of year, or any time of year for that matter. Um, the first time I ever turned bird dogs loose in Montana, Pete, this is no lie. I left the gun in the truck, and I took an Upland Bird Identifier book in my hand. And the dogs would point them. <laughs> I'd flush them, and I'd say, oh, okay, so that's a hunt. Uh, that's a sharp tail, and, and I figured that out on the first day, and then, hey, after that, it's Katie Bar the door. So much fun. No doubt. No doubt. Tell, tell me about the uh, the bird population this year. So many of our uh, upland species are dependent on favorable weather, and last year was really droughty for much of the United States. How about Montana? What kind of shape are they in, and what kind of shape are the birds in? Well, I'd say prior to late winter, Montana was just horribly bad as far as the drought goes, like Texas. Uh, but then late winter and certainly through the spring and then ending in early summer, um, there's there's been a, a, an abundance of rain. Now, the last six, seven weeks have been pretty dry, although just the last, you know, week we've been finally getting some rain. I've been up here since almost September 1st. But you know, those that, that late winter and wet spring really, really helped out a lot. Places that I have hunted for years that had no cover last year not only have cover this year, but the birds have come back. And mm-hmm. so it's really been nice, whether you're in north-central Montana, northeastern Montana, uh, you know, different parts of western Montana. The bird numbers are, you know, and it's spotty, but some areas are just fantastic. In other areas, they're still down. But you know, if you pull up to a spot and there's good cover, odds are you're going to have, you know, you'll be able to go out and find a few birds, hunt for an hour or two, then move to the next spot. So there's plenty of opportunities up here, and there's just hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres to hunt on. That's another big bonus. Montana offers up so much public land. Texas is a giant state, but we only have about a million public acres where you can buy a, a permit and, and go and hunt year-round on that stuff or enjoy that stuff year-round. Montana, boy, it's whatever you want to do. If you want to chase uh, deer or pronghorn or upland birds, it's a sign-in system at the gate on most of that stuff. Yeah, I I had a, a buddy of mine, a Park City quail uh, founder, Joe Crafton, was up here. And he had never been up here before. And he said, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And he said, I see how you figure out, you know, what habitat to hunt. I can – I also – see how you figure out on your maps where to go, where to stop, and all of this. He goes, I had no idea this existed. I said, don't tell anybody about it. So we probably <laughs> shouldn't be talking about it on, on your radio show, but it truly is. I, I started coming up here, I think, a little over 25 years ago now. It's been, Bill, I'm that old. But it is just <laughs> one of, I, I, I'm a Texan through and through. I'll never leave the state of Texas, but, boy, it sure is fun to come up here and bird hunt in September and October. It, uh, it's a beautiful and wonderful place. So tell me this. When you're hunting the prairies, what are you finding primarily, sharp tails or huns, or are both really in good numbers this year? Sharp tail numbers are up, at least where I've been going. Sharp tail numbers are up 
significantly. I would say maybe maybe at, at least double from what I found last year in the same locations. Uh, to, but again, now this is anecdotal. I'm not talking across the board, but in the places where I go, the sharp tail numbers are up at least double. So, you know, last year I might find four or five sharp tails. This year I might find 10 or 12 sharp tails in the same area. Um, as far as huns go, I would say where uh, last year where I wasn't seeing any huns, this year I'm seeing a couple of coveys of huns. So, you know, and the coveys are big. I'm, I'm talking like, you know, 12, 12, maybe 15 birds in a covey. I mean, big coveys of huns, you know, for this wow. early season. So sure, it's, been, it's been really good. Now, and there are some areas where, you know, I hunt a lot of state land and I'll drive by and it's like, well, whoever's leased it for grazing has, you know, it looks like the surface of the moon. So let's just keep driving. But then there are other spots, man, look, there was no cover here last year. Look at this section now. It's, I mean, the cover's back. We go out there, we make a loop, we find one or two cubbies of huns, 10, 15, maybe 20 sharp tails. And it's like, that's a, I mean, that's a good walk. Yes, absolutely it is. Um, and people just don't, don't understand how great this is for an upland hunter. I, I have a, one ranch up there that Pete and I have hunted a number of times through the years that's 96,000 acres and I've never seen another hunter on it, uh, when I visit and I stopped in a local cafe one morning near that place, and the guys, my locals in there, Pete, saw my dog trailer and said, what are you doing? What, what's in that trailer? And I said, well, I drove up from Texas to hunt birds. And they all started laughing out loud like I was nuts. Like, yeah. who hunts birds? <laughs> I know. And, and that's what Joe Crafton said something to that effect. He said, you know, I always thought Montana was a place where guys went in August, and they just ran their dogs. He said, I had no idea the different species of birds and how you hunt these birds and where you hunt these birds. He said, I just I just didn't know. He said, this has been such an eye-opener for me. And I said, well, the, the fun thing is, is since there's so much public access, so much land that the public can access, if you just understand the type of habitat the birds live in, then you know what to look for as you're driving down the road. Just get your map out. You're driving down the road. You can figure out, oh, I can hunt there. Oh, the habitat looks like this, which is when I found that habitat before, that's where I found birds. So if you mm -hmm. can just, you know, start thinking like a bird, where would a bird like to go? And, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not it's not a complicated puzzle, but you really have to start looking at those little little things that make up make a big difference. Yep, pay attention and uh, and take notes. I'd love to talk to you longer, Pete, but I've got to go look up the word anecdotal, which you threw down uh, a few minutes ago, <laughs> and I've got to see if you're, like, cussing me out or something here. Remember, <laughs> when you're with me, never get past two syllables, okay? <laughs> well, then I won't use – look up anecdotal and empirical. And let oh, me know boy. what they mean. I have no idea either, but let me know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure we're still friends after you call me that, but I'll get back with you, okay? <laughs> Pete, have fun up there, all right? All right, Bill, we'll talk. Pete is a ProPlan man. ProPlan performance in the purple sport bag. 30% protein, 20% fat. Don't head for the pasture without that bag of ProPlan in the dog trailer. Let's grab a cup of coffee, and I'll meet you right back here. We're going to get a West and South Texas quail forecast from biologist Brad Kubekcha.
Ken Kirkaby needs to be in your deer blind, camp house, or favorite fireside chair. An outdoor author that understands and lives the outdoors. In Red Stick 1, Florida game warden Virgil Clary takes off his badge to track down a killer in the wilderness. Christopher Camuto of Gray's Sporting Journal calls Red Stick 1 a tightly written novel of pursuit and redemption. A pleasure to read. Ken Kirkaby's books are gritty, realistic, and action-packed. The Tournament, Red Stick 1 and Red Stick 2, all available on Amazon. Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and I want to make sure that all of our calendars are marked with the dates for our 2023 annual military charity golf event. The dates are March 26th and 27th of 2023. We'll be returning to the Wild Dunes Resort on the Isle of Palms in South Carolina. Now, here's the best part. The proceeds from this military charity golf event, supported by Freedom Hunters, goes to award the honorable service personnel of our U.S. and Canadian Armed Forces with outdoor adventures. There's no better cause than honoring the courageous men and women that protect our freedoms. So go to jimshockeyclassic.com to register. So again, that's March 26th and 27th of 2023 at the Wild Dunes Resort. And by the way, that's the South Carolina coast in the springtime. It doesn't get any better than that. I'll see you there. Get off the beach and into the action. Enjoy world-class Costa Rican sport fishing with Carib Sea Sport Fishing, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and more. Inshore, offshore, overnight, sea mounts. Carib Sea Sport Fishing will work with your group to customize the perfect trip. Half day, full day, every day. Your next getaway is the best ever. Take a look at catchafishincostarica.com. Catchafishincostarica.com. From the deck of your private cabin overlooking the confluence of the famous White and Norfolk Rivers at Norfolk Resort Trout Dock, you can see crystal clear running waters that hold one of the world's greatest populations of rainbow and brown trout. In fact, this is the home of world record trout. You might be distracted, though, by the beautiful rolling Ozark Mountains that hold you during your stay. Just up the road a few miles is incredible bass fishing for largemouth, smallmouth, and spots. You'll find the best guides in the business at Norfolk Resort, and your boat is just a short walk from your cabin. Your guide will find a gravel shoal perfect for preparing a hot shore lunch with fresh-caught trout and all the trimmings. You'll think about a nap after lunch, but there's more fish to catch and river to explore before retiring to your fully furnished riverside hideaway. Sound good? Of course it does. Norfolk Resort Trout Dock in Norfolk, Arkansas. NorfolkResort.com After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt 
easily six, seven, eight groups. And we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit joshuacreek.com. There's only one thing that can keep us out of the deer woods. Just kidding. Welcome back to Kinder Outdoors. Unless you're driving right now, you need to go to kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, and register to win our fall contest, Fishing You a Merry Christmas, where we send you and two buddies, two people of your choice, to Costa Rica, beautiful Costa Rica, to fish for marlin and sailfish and mahi, etc., 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 five nights at Casa Carib Sea, three days offshore and inshore on that Carib Sea fleet of the Caribbean's finest. Fishing you a Merry Christmas from my friends at Carib Sea Sport Fishing Costa Rica and all of us here at Kinder Outdoors. Hey, Brad Quebecher rejoins us now, upland biologist. I want to get a West Texas, South Texas uh, quail forecast from you, Brad. Hey, thanks for hanging on. Thanks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in West Texas. You're on the board at the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch. What what projects are you guys working on out there? What's the direction there now? Yeah, I'm, I'm the executive director of the Research Foundation, and uh, we have we have a lot of things going on from right on the ranch to uh, to elsewhere. And one of one of the main things, and something I caught, I mentioned the research ranch and it's just that little nuance, something that's changing in the vision, and and that really we're we're rebranding to the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation. And what that really underscores is that um, the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch is our headquarters. It's about 4,800 acres um, northwest of Abilene by about an hour, and uh, that's always going to be our home, and that's our home base. That's where we do most of our research. But rebranding to underscore the Research Foundation really just underscores that saying that we look to do research and collaborate with folks across the region and um and again use that our ranch where we can you know play around and, and dabble and, and not be afraid to mess up because um, that's how we learn and uh and then apply that and work with other folks across the region so one thing is is a little bit of rebranding and then hopefully elevating that brand awareness about quail conservation in the region and if folks want to know more about what's going on there, uh, I guess Rolling Plains Research Foundation online, we can find you? Yes, quailresearch.org, um, and you can find the, the plethora of research that we've either done in the past or are doing currently. And uh, we, at any given time, <laughs> I write some of these grant proposals, and, and really I could carve out just one one question that we're asking, but on the research ranch, we've been collecting data for about the last 15 years. So we have a long-term data set. Um, the workhorse of a lot of research is, is graduate student group driven. But the, the cool thing about the research ranch is that a graduate student with a two or three year project can walk into a 15 year data set. And then while not only just analyzing the data set, because we continue collecting that data through time, they can be part of that data collection process, but also they understand how things are uh, being managed, the ranch is being managed, and how the data is being collected, but also they get the benefit of a large data set. So uh, we, we have projects that range from supplemental feeding to 
um, quail survival, uh, really everything everything that we look at as far as uh, our research goes back to survival and reproduction because those two things are what make a population tick. And so what we try to do is pair our management, apply a management practice um, to multiple areas of the ranch and areas that don't have you know that. Those are our control plots or control regions. And then we look at the response of our management um, in terms of quail populations and survival and reproductive output. So survival of um, juveniles or chicks, we look at, and that's something new that we're looking at, and that's a whole other story, but um, looking at survival of different life history um, stages, looking at reproductive output, so the number of nests per hen in relation to the management that we're doing. How does that relate to the number of covey finds we have per hour? And how does that relate to, you know, survival and reproduction, essentially? Uh, well, before we get out of here today, Brad, talk to us a little bit about what you expect to see when we turn those bird dogs loose in West Texas and then South Texas. Well, this year, you know, I think we have to have realistic expectations on uh, the West Texas front. This year, we've, we've had last few years not a whole bunch of birds. And so for us to see population growth, we really have to have above average survival and above average average reproduction. As I mentioned, those two things are really important. So, uh, you know, we, we had about average survival and about average reproduction this year. So it's not, doesn't scare me that we're having a population crash, but it might be similar to last year. Well, last year wasn't too great um, for some folks. Um, but on the other hand, there are some folks that I, I hunted with in the Rolling Plains this last year that were moving eight or nine cubbies in an afternoon. Again, that was a quail property and as I mentioned before, management is key. So even in these regionally low years, um, properties can have okay quail populations, decent quail populations, when they're really actively management, managing for quail. Now, on the South Texas front, um, they've, they're coming out of some years where they've had pretty good carryover. And not only have they had pretty good carryover, they've had a dry spring, but they had a lot of rain over the last month or so. And uh, that could bode well for a late hatch, and then they're known for pulling off some late hatches, kind of like that fourth quarter, uh, you know, football game where they turn the tides. And South Texas, they remain warm, warmer a little longer, and that's one of those cues that quail are using for nesting. And, and so uh, they got the rain. They'll have probably decent temperatures going um, into the next month or so. So they, they might have a decent hatch, and with a good carryover, they might have decent quail populations again this year. Hey, that's good. To, that's really good to hear. Don't forget to wear your snake boots when you go to South Texas. Right? <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We will visit again soon. Uh, I wish I had more time today, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling better about our quails right now than I have in a long time after talking to you. It's, it's good medicine for me, an old quail guy, okay? I appreciate it. Appreciate you having Brad, me. You bet. And if folks, uh, real quick, give us uh, give us uh, directions online once again for folks that want to look you up and keep up with what's happening. Yep. On the western front, it's quailresearch.org. And on the eastern front, it's talltimbers.org. Um, either one of those websites, you can find my contact information. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's bkabechka at talltimbers.org or bkabechka at quailresearch.org. Now, that last name is pretty tough, but... <laughs> uh, you can, you can find my contact information on both of those websites. Very good, and also at kinderoutdoors.com. Brad, thank you so very much. Have a great quail season, great fall. Thanks. This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute, a focus on people that make a difference.
The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, before we make a run to the coffee pot, I need to say hi to some folks like David Dean. He catches the show in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Stephen Schallert is in Florissant, Colorado. Thanks for listening, Stephen. Daryl Fosti, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Thanks for listening. Thanks for dropping by the website, Daryl. Mike Fitzpatrick is in Carrollton, Texas, right up the road. In Mamenville, Tennessee, it's Casey Geisen, Pat Bullard, Alito, Texas, Kevin Sheldon in Linwood, Kansas, dropped by to say hello, and so did Seth Slippy, Alexandria, Pennsylvania. Thank you all for dropping by Kinder Outdoors. Come see us again, kinderoutdoors.com. Let's stretch our legs a minute or two. can't buy happiness, but it can put your brand new bass boat within casting distance of it. Glad you're in the camp with us this week at Kinder Outdoors. Yes, we are glad that you're in camp with us this week at Kinder Outdoors. I'm Billy Kinder, and I would invite you to drop by and see me at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, and register for our fall giveaway. We try to have a really fun contest uh, every fall, ending about Christmas time, and we've done it again this year for sure. Talking about a trip for three, you and two buddies, two family members, two whoever's uh, in the Caribbean, sending you to Costa Rica, fishing inshore and offshore with our friends at Carib Sea Sport Fishing uh, and Kinder Outdoors. Five nights at Casa Carib Sea, three days uh, of fishing, and th- listen, they've had 20 marlin days. Unheard of, right? 20 marlin in a day at Carib Sea Sport Fishing. So, kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. Go register. Who knows? You might just win. Simple drawing. We're talking about our upland birds on the show today, primarily Texas quail, and the fight to help them survive. That fight costs money. And Jay Stein with the Quail Coalition's got a really good way to raise important funds for quail while having a good time at the same time. It's a busy time 
uh, for Park City's Quail Coalition. Uh, there's a lot going on. The Dallas Gun Club is going to host the third annual, I can't believe it's the third already, uh, sporting clay shoot uh, coming up right around the corner. Yes, sir. Uh, this, I mean, just a little history. We, we started this event in 2020 uh, really just as a reason to get outside. As, as you'll remember, that was right in the thick of COVID, and uh, people wanted to get out and mingle and, and do some fun things, and, and that kind of gave us the idea of starting this event, and uh, it was so popular that it, it kind of latched on, and we've turned it into an annual event. Yeah, and it's a fun event, and hey, as it turns out, everybody wanted to get outside, and they still do. It's a popular shoot. A lot of people come. Sure, yeah, yeah. We sell out every year, and uh, I think we announced it uh, earlier this week, and already already seeing the registrations flow in. Uh, tell us uh, the, the nuts and bolts. If we want to come shoot uh, for uh, with Park City's Quail, where and when? Uh, it's Dallas Gun Club, October 25th. Um, which is a Tuesday. Uh, we've got, as you know, uh, quite a few Quell Coalition events on Thursday, some banquets in Fort Worth and Midland and Austin, so kind of trying to get in the middle of the week so we can let our other chapters steal the spotlight for their events. But uh, it'll be from 2 to 7, so we'll check in at 2, have a clay shoot and a nice dinner afterwards, and then uh, we'll have a check presentation. It's not many clay shoots you go to where you give away $1.3 million, but we're going to do it. Uh, we've got a lot of <laughs> a lot of grants from 2022 we're going to fund and write some big checks and um, kind of have a combined event where we can do two birds with one stone. But, uh, you know, we certainly want to thank our sponsors. Our title sponsor is United Mechanical. Uh, they've sponsored it every year. That helps us put this event on and uh, make a little money. And uh, our cup sponsor is Lone Star Ag Credit. We give away a Nice logo cup, so uh, I want to thank them for their support, and we're looking forward to a great event. You bet. And listen, if uh, if our quails, particularly our Texas Bob Whites and Blues, are important to you and the research that that aids and, and supports those quail, if that's important to you, you might want to come in as a uh, sponsor of this event. There are different levels of sponsorship. If folks want to know more, they can talk to you about that, right? Sure. They can go to our website. Uh, it's parkcitiesquail.org. Uh, but yeah, we have several levels. We just, we have a basic shooting spot. We have a basic shooting team. We, you know, if you want to promote your business, we've got, uh, sign sponsors where you can sponsor a station. We'll put a sign out. And then, like I say, we've got the, the big sponsors that have really helped us out. Yep. Uh, hey, listen, you guys, uh, is it true? I heard a rumor you guys are actually providing the shotgun shells for if you bring a 12 or a 20. We do. Yep. It comes with a golf cart, uh, and shotgun shells and, you know, nice gift package from our sponsors. So, uh, it's all inclusive. Just show up. Dinner's free. We'll have an open bar uh, after the shoot, obviously, but, uh, having a barbecue dinner and, and some cold beer and have a good time. Hey, Jay, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And just before we go, just for folks that don't know uh, about the Quail Coalition and about Park City's Quail, uh, tell us who you are and and where does this money go? Because, man, that Park City's Quail Banquet and, and Quail Coalition in, in general has raised millions and millions of dollars through the years. That's right. Yeah, we, uh, we broke away from Quail Unlimited in 2009, just got tired of uh, raising money and sending it out of state. So... Since then, we've, we've been able to raise money at all of our local events and 
keep it in the state of Texas primarily. We do fund some projects outside uh, Tall Timbers, an organization out of Florida, but again, focused on Bob White Quail. And uh, I think we, you know, when we started, we raised about a million dollars a year. Now we're up to about two and a half million a year. And uh, we have eight or nine beneficiaries, all the names you've heard of, Quail Tech Alliance, and Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch, Caesar Clayburg Wildlife Institute down in South Texas. And, uh, we've done the eyeworm studies with the Texas Tech Wildlife Toxicology Lab and Borderlands Research. And we spread it around and, and just, you know, anything we can do to try to solve this issue of quail decline and you know, we've made some, some great discoveries and advancements and hopefully we, we keep moving that direction. Hey everybody, it's Stephen Browning. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Now, Billy, I've got to go fishing, so while I'm gone, make sure you leave those turkeys around my house alone. The True Life Taxidermy Studio in Granbury, Texas, has won Best Studio in the State of Texas time after time after time. Roy Holdridge and his True Life staff of artists take your memories to a higher level a degree of professionalism and perfection that matches the memory of the hunt or that fishing trip. True Life can create and integrate lifelike landscape, multiple animals, fish and fowl. International shipping and trophy care is turnkey when you turn it over to Roy Holdridge and True Life in Granbury, Texas. My home is a testament to the impeccable work of True Life Taxidermy. The ducks, pheasant, deer and fish are realistic and they last. A special deer in memory on my wall dates back nearly 30 years and still looks fresh and new. Preserve that special memory this year with True Life Taxidermy. Visit the 1,800-square-foot trophy room and see Roy's talent on display. True Life Taxidermy is online at truelifetaxidermy.org. It's really exciting to see right now. Uh, one thing that's great about archery is anybody can do it. Men, women, or children, everybody can do this. Um, our lessons right now are fantastic. We see entire family groups come in, have a great time, and they're finding out that this is something that is a great pastime, great sport, and everybody can be successful at. Americans are learning what a huge benefit it is to learn to hunt, learn to fish, learn to put safe and wholesome food on our tables. Cinnamon Creek Archery in Roanoke, Texas, has taught many thousands of families about the great sport of archery. People who thought they could just never do that now enjoy the range and harvesting their own wild game. You can't just sell somebody a bow and say, hey, good luck. You need to be able to take them aside, teach them the fundamentals, teach them how to shoot correctly so that they can be as successful as possible and really enjoy our sport. Visit CinnamonCreekRanch.com and discover the great knowledge and satisfaction that so many other families have found in archery. Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected 
no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com. And just down the road, you'll know Toby Meadows when you run into him on the lot. They're at Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine because on his name tag is a big green bass. <laughs> He's earned the right to wear that big fish around. He's caught three over 10 pounds. Yes, sir. Three times, uh, twice on Lake Fork and once on Lake Conroe. This lifelong passion for Toby started in the cab of that old Chevy truck, headed for the fishing hole a long time ago. I had an uncle, Uncle Jim, got me started. And it was just a little cork popper with little black and yellow feathers, looked like a bumblebee, and that started it all. Three 10-pounders and 19 years with the classic grapevine family. And Toby is still going down the road in that Chevy truck. These days, though, it's a little newer, a little less bumpy, and a whole lot more powerful. Yes, it is. I like it, too, especially that diesel. Got that half-ton diesel. It's good. Nice truck. Lifelong memories await your bunch in the cab of the truck. Get started at ClassicChevrolet.com. Tis the season to be jolly. Deer season, turkey season, dove season, duck season, season backstrap. Come on in to the Kinder Outdoors Camp House. And drop by that Kinder Outdoors website. Register for this contest we've got going. We just kicked it off. Fishing you a Merry Christmas. Sending you and two guests of your choice to the Caribbean. You're going to Costa Rica. Deep sea, offshore, and inshore fishing with world-class Carib Sea Sport Fishing. It all starts at KinderOutdoors.com. I want to welcome my guest back to the show now. It's Brad Kabachka with Tall Timbers Quail Research in East Texas and the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation out in West Texas. Brad, we want to talk to you a while. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me on, Billy. Absolutely. You bet. I want to tell folks who you are right off the bat. First of all, uh, you are uh, with the Tall Timbers Research Station in East Texas. You're the director there. And a lot of people don't even realize that, hey, wait a minute, I thought Tall Timbers was in Tallahassee, Florida. And it is, but this is something fairly new, right? Yeah, our program started in 2020 or so, and uh, Tall Timbers' game bird program has really been expanding. Um, we're based out of North Florida, but uh, we have a lot of satellite projects and or programs, I, I guess I should say, because they're they're a lot more than two-year projects. They're they're full-fledged programs, um, endowed positions, and, and a lot of those. So the the Albany Quail Project, which um, some of your listeners may be familiar with, out of Albany, Georgia, South Georgia, it used to be a, an independent effort with Auburn, and um, that was um, taken under the Tall Timbers umbrella um, in the mid 2000s or so. And so that that's one of our, our regional programs. We have a regional program in the Carolinas, um, a regional program in Central Florida, and, of course, our newest program is the Western Piney Woods Quail Program, which is based in East Texas, and we service basically uh, western Louisiana and southwestern Arkansas, but um, focus strongly in, in eastern Texas and the Piney Woods. Before we move out to uh, West Texas, which I call kind of the, the last bastion for the Bob White Quail, the last stronghold, uh, let's talk about East Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and all that country through there that, boy, it was just you took it for granted 60, 80 years ago. 
90 years ago, that was it, it was just, hey, you're down south and you're going to wade through bobwhite quail wherever you go. And then something happened, and you guys are trying to figure that out, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, and I don't think we talk about this part of the world enough. And there's so much research that's been done in the Rolling Plains, South Texas, and in these in these key quail landscapes, as you call them, the last bastions, where, um, take, for example, South Texas. If we remain the status quo from today till eternity, they'll probably have quail because of the status quo and the general management that's done there. Um, if we remain maintain the status quo in East Texas, well, we're not going to have quail. But we have, a, we have a good reason in which we – think why. Now, that was my personal opinion, by the way, of the status quo, but, sure. <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's my professional opinion on that. But um, in East Texas, uh, you're right. Um, populations were historically great. Um, they would rival or exceed those in South Texas and in the Rolling Plains. And, and when we compare the two, um, you look at East Texas and you look at that drought map that a lot of folks uh, post on their website of uh, the state and East Texas right now, the counties that we're working in, is not in a drought, and uh, and so we have a lot of potential in that in that respect. I, I was at a, a conference a couple weeks ago, a national quail symposium, and I saw Lenny Brennan there, and he said, you know that that part of East Texas should be the most productive part of the state for quail, and I thought I wholeheartedly agree, um, but management is key, and so in, in in our region, at least in the southeast, uh, we get a lot of rainfall, way more than South Texas or, or the Rolling Plains, where uh, where populations are really erratic. They kind of go through this boom-bust um, cycle. Whereas if you look at other regions, like the, in the southeast, they don't typically have that strong of boom-bust fluctuations. Um, rather, a lot of their management is or their, their population growth and changes are, are management-driven. And, uh, you know, so in, in that regards, that, that gives us some some uh, feeling of hope, really, because that tells us that we can do something about this in East Texas. And while there hasn't been any research or really any, um, any uh, attention afforded to the eastern part of the state for Bob White, really over the last 30 years, um, there are still some Bob White populations hanging on in, in certain areas where uh, – were prescribed fire, one of the most absolutely essential tools for, for quail management in our region, um, is still being applied, and timber practices are, are somewhat amenable for those bobwhite populations. So, you know, when we compare these regions, East Texas has a lot of potential, but a, a lot of it is management-driven. So what we're trying to do with our program in East Texas is really take the blueprint on what's been done in other parts of the southeast that's been really successful, for example, in the Red Hills region of North Florida or the Albany region is Albany quail properties in, in South Georgia. Collectively, those are about almost a million acres of, of quail properties that uh, over the last 30 years have done nothing but increase, really. And um, the good old days for quail there are really right now. Um, wow. Those folks are, Yeah. And, and, and folks don't really know that. And those are wild birds. This, this, and folks think about think about Georgia quail plantations. Sometimes they think about pen-raised birds. These are wild birds. And um, the the marriage between really um, researchers and land managers and um, that that really uh, want to learn about how can we put quail back on the landscape was what 
kind of built this tall timbers model of working with these plantations and these groups of folks to learn how can we apply management that is that's most beneficial for quail. And over the last multiple decades, they've been able to come up with kind of a recipe. And, and uh, of course, that one of the biggest ingredients, as I mentioned, is, is prescribed fire. So uh, to basically take that model from the southeast and then put it in East Texas. Now we know that there's going to be some differences. There are going to be differences in soil types and this and that. And so maybe instead of applying fire on a two-year return interval, maybe it's a three-year return interval. Um, and looking how vegetation responds in these different systems, we might have to tweak it. But there is a blueprint that's available for us, essentially. Um, so really, we're, we're go going beyond the, just the research, but we're in both research mode, but also expansion and recovery mode in an area that really has great potential. I love your optimism, and I feel better about East Texas right now than I have felt since I was a kid, <laughs> uh, just yeah. from listening yeah. to you. Because, there, hey, all I've ever heard is, well, we got rid of all the habitat, and then the fire ants destroyed what was left over. And until somebody digs in like you and does some research and some work, and, and I love this optimistic uh, look at uh, East, not only East Texas, but Louisiana, Mississippi, all across there. Yeah. The, the neat thing about East Texas, at least in the Piney Woods, you know, you, you thin some of that stuff up, you you put some fire on the ground, and uh, a lot of these places have been in some sort of forestry practice for a long time, so they haven't seen Bermuda grass. Some of the areas have a little bahia or whatever, but um, you, you, you apply some of these practices, and the, the key in, uh, vegetation response that we're looking for usually comes along with the management. So if we thin, we are usually going to see some sunlight opening up to the forest floor, we'll see some perennial grasses uh, follow that in response, and then we need to maintain that through fire. But uh, you go to other parts of Texas, maybe that's predominantly the landscape is dominated by Bermuda grass and other things. Yeah, I think the challenge would actually be stronger. So, you know, folks think about East Texas as being a real push-up. I think about it as, um, hey, we, we apply a few steps, and I think that we could be close, um, but not, not to say that it's not it's going to be easy, but uh, you know it's maybe not as as out there and out of reach as many might might think. Excellent. Well, hey, I tell you what, we're going to take a little break. I hope you can hang around with me because I want to talk about West Texas and the quail, uh, Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch. What's going on out there? And maybe you give us a little bird forecast for West Texas, South Texas. Sure. All right. Thanks, Brad. Hey. And Listen, when we come back from the coffee pot, we're headed to the great state of Montana. My buddy Pete Delkus spends a good deal of time up there this time of year, every year, chasing up on birds. We're going to see what he's been finding over the past month. Hi, I'm Ken Darcy with Remington. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. How about crisp, clean air, endless water, and marlin after marlin for Christmas this year? That's what we have in mind for you and two of your friends or family at Carib Sea Sport Fishing and Kinder Outdoors. The lodging, dining, and fishing is on us in Costa Rica. Five nights in our beachfront penthouse. Three days fishing some of the most fertile water on the planet. Stay tuned and enter soon. Learn more at KinderOutdoors.com. Fish on! <laughs> after Red Stick 1. Outdoor author Ken Kirkaby's sequel, Red Stick 2, is a must-read. Virgil Clary is sent to South America, where he uses his unique tracking skills to find an American engineer abducted by revolutionaries. 
Kirkus Reviews says, Assured writing, a locomotive plot, and non-stop suspenseful action in a series that shows no signs of slowing down. Ken Kirkaby is an outdoor writer that truly lives the outdoors, and his books are all available on Amazon. Hey, crappie fans, if you love crappie fishing, Crappie Expo, Branson, Missouri, October the 20th through the 22nd. More than 100 exhibitors. It's all crappie. Get the latest and greatest. Also, the world's largest crappie fry, hush puppies and taters. Mmm, mmm. Pro crappie teams fishing for over $300,000. Meet the pros, seminars and concerts daily. Giving away $10,000 on Friday and again on Saturday. Cash is king. That man's crazy. CrappieExpo.com. CrappieExpo.com. You've worked hard your entire life, and now that place is yours. Ensure the security of your livestock and wildlife with Tejas Ranch and Game Fence. You appreciate a job well done, and that's our focus at Tejas. High deer fence, horse and cattle specific fences, fences that keep the hogs out and the peace of mind intact. Decades of high performance in fencing, land clearing, and happy landowners. T-E-J-A-S. TejasRanchFence.com Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com U.S. Highway 287 carries elk hunters and fly fishers, snow skiers and bird dog chasers, 72-ounce steak eaters, buried Cadillac picture takers, antelopers, prairie doggers, and rattlesnakers. The Herdware Store sits on Highway 287 near Goodnight, Texas. Now, only 18 people live around here, so to keep the lights turned on, we need you 287 travelers to stop by. Come in out of the weather and take a look at the most unique store between the Gulf and Pacific coasts. One-of-a-kind artwork, jewelry, knives, and more. Feel the luxurious softness and warmth of bison socks, gloves, hats, beanies, blankets, and scarves. You'll think it's cashmere, and it's warmer than wool. Our sister company, Buffalo Wool, produces the finest bison products on the planet. The herdware store is boots and shoes, bison blankets and throws, even bison meats for the road. The herdware store, 42 miles southeast of Amarillo. Hey, drop by right now at herdware.net. For the land of the free and the home of the brave. From high school gyms to towering stadiums, every time I see our flag wave, I feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free. I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me. Heroes who charged into battle through bombs and bullets, who lost their brothers and still pushed through, fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore. Men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. 
I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. Thanks to God above for his blessing on our rights to hunt, fish, and fill our freezers with healthy protein. We celebrate that in this camp house at Kinder Outdoors. Yes, we do. In fact, I'm going to celebrate at lunchtime today with a sliced tomato and a peach, one of the last good peaches of the year, and some of that good smoked cracked black pepper axis sausage that I had made up with Joe and the boys down at Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing. Hey, you got to have a little wild game in your diet every day. I'm going to be at a big party on Thursday night raising money for Calm Christian Outdoor Ministry. They take kids on great hunting and fishing trips and share the gospel with those children and their families. There's no more worthy cause on this planet, especially in this day and age. If you would like to attend, you can still buy a early bird ticket through Monday. There's going to be some great auction items, great raffle items, too, like a big green egg. There's an elk hunt up for grabs, all kinds of cool stuff. So come see me at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, and learn more about the Christian Outdoor Ministry Banquet and Auction this coming Thursday night in Dallas. Let's head northwest to the great state of Montana, a place that I dearly love. have hunted there many times. I'm not at the moment, but my buddy Pete Delkas is. Hey, Pete, how are you, man? It's good to have you with us. I'm doing fine, Bill. Doing fine. We've got some rain up here this morning, so that's all good news. It'll be better for the, uh, the dogs to smell all the different birds we're hunting this afternoon. Scenting conditions should be really good this afternoon when you turn them loose. Uh, for folks that don't know, Montana is a bird hunter's dream. That's why you and I have been going up there forever, because there are so many different species of birds that you can hunt literally all over the state. No, it, it, it's remarkable. I mean, if you're in the prairies, you know, you're, you're going after, you know, Hungarian partridge, sharp-tailed grouse, maybe sage grouse if they're in season or you're able to hunt them in your area. And I would only recommend shooting one. You don't need two for the rest of your life. They're not the most tasty bird in the world, but they're certainly a trophy. And uh, so you have those three. And then you head into the mountains, and you have blue grouse, rough grouse, spruce grouse. You get high enough in some parts of Montana. In the mountains, you can find wild chuckers. And then, of course, you can also find the Hungarian partridge. And then not to mention, once pheasant season opens in the middle of October, you have pheasants. So it's kind of that duck hunter who goes out and you just don't know what birds are going to come into, you know, come into you in the morning. And, it, you know, with, with, with Montana, you know, if you're hunting in the prairies, you know, you've got the huns, you have the sharp tails and the sage grouse or in the mountains, you just don't know. So it's, it's kind of a potpourri of birds, Bill, and it's awesome <laughs> up here this time of year. Oh, it is so awesome up there this time of year or any time of year for that matter. Um, the first time I ever turned bird dogs loose in Montana, Pete, this is no lie. I left the gun in the truck and I took an upland bird identifier book in my hand and the dogs would point them. <laughs> I'd flush them and I'd say, Oh, okay. So that's a hunt. Uh, that's a shark tail, and, and I figured that out on the first day, and then 
hey, after that, it's Katie bar the door. So much fun. No doubt. No doubt. Tell, tell me about the uh, the bird population this year. So many of our uh, upland species are dependent on favorable weather, and last year was really droughty for much of the United States. How about Montana? What kind of shape are they in, and what kind of shape are the birds in? Well, I'd say prior to late winter, Montana was just horribly bad as far as the drought goes, like Texas. Uh, but then late winter and certainly through the spring and then ending in early summer, um, there's there's been a, a, an abundance of rain. Now, the last six, seven weeks have been pretty dry, although just the last, you know, week we've been finally getting some rain. I've been up here since almost September 1st. But, you know, those that, that late winter and wet spring really, really helped out a lot. Places that I have hunted for years that had no cover last year, not only have cover this year, but the birds have come back. And hmm. so it's really been nice, whether you're in north-central Montana, northeastern Montana, uh, you know, different parts of western Montana. The bird numbers are, you know, and it's spotty, but some areas are just fantastic. In other areas, they're still down. But, you know, if you pull up to a spot and there's good cover, odds are you're going to have, you know, you'll be able to go out and find a few birds, hunt for an hour or two, then move to the next spot. So, there's plenty of opportunities up here, and there's just hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres to hunt on. It's a sign-in system at the gate on most of that stuff. Yeah, I I had a, a buddy of mine, a Park City quail uh, founder, Joe Crafton, was up here, and he had never been up here before. And he said, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And he said, I see how you figure out, you know, what habitat to hunt. I can. I also see how you figure out on your maps where to go, where to stop, and all of this. He goes, I had no idea this existed. I said, don't tell anybody about it. So we probably shouldn't be talking about it on, on your radio show, but it truly is. I started coming up here, I think, a little over 25 years ago now. It's been, Bill, I'm that old. But it is just one of I, – I'm a Texan through and through. I'll never leave the state of Texas, but, boy, it sure is fun to come up here and bird hunt in September and October. Uh, it's a beautiful and wonderful place. So tell me this. When you're hunting the prairies – what are you finding primarily, sharp tails or huns, or are both really in good numbers this year? Sharp tail numbers are up, at least where I've been going, sharp tail numbers are up uh, significantly. I would say maybe maybe at, at least double from what I found last year in the same locations. Uh, to, but, again, now this is anecdotal. I'm not talking across the board, but in the places where I go, the sharp tail numbers are up at least double. So, you know, last year I might find four or five sharp tails. This year I might find 10 or 12 sharp tails in the same area. Um, as far as huns go, I would say where uh, last year where I wasn't seeing any huns, this year I'm seeing a couple of coveys of huns. So, you know, and the coveys are big. I'm, I'm talking like, you know, 12, 12, maybe 15 birds in a covey. I mean, big coveys of huns, you know, for this wow. early season. So sure, it's, it's been really good. Now, and there are some areas where, you know, I hunt a lot of state land and I'll drive by and it's like, well, whoever's leased it for grazing has, you know, it looks like the surface of the moon. So let's just keep driving. But then there are other spots. Man, look, there was no cover here last year. Look at this section now. It's, I mean, the cover's back. We go out there, we make a loop, we find one or two coveys of huns, 10, 15, maybe 20 sharp tails. And it's like, that's a, I mean, that's a good walk. Yes, absolutely it is. Um, and people just don't don't understand how great this is for an upland hunter. 
I, I have a, one ranch up there that Pete and I have hunted a number of times through the years that's 96,000 acres, and I've never seen another hunter on it uh, when I visit. And I stopped in a local cafe one morning near that place, and the guys, my locals in there, Pete, saw my dog trailer and said, what are you doing? What, what's in that trailer? And I said, well, I drove up from Texas to hunt birds. And they all started laughing out loud like I was nuts. Like, yeah. who hunts birds? <laughs> no, I know. And, and that's what Joe Crafton said something to that effect. He said, you know, I always thought Montana was a place where guys went in August and they just ran their dogs. He said, I had no idea the different species of birds and how you hunt these birds and where you hunt these birds. He said, I just, I just didn't know. He said, this has been such an eye-opener for me. And I said, well, the, the fun thing is, is since there's so much public access, so much land that the public can access, if you just understand the type of habitat the birds live in, then you know what to look for as you're driving down the road. Just get your map out. You're driving down the road. You can figure out, oh, I can hunt there. Oh, the habitat looks like this, which is when I found that habitat before, that's where I found birds. So if you mm -hmm. can just, you know, start thinking like a bird, where would a bird like to go? And mm -hmm. I mean, it's not it's not a complicated puzzle, but you really have to start looking at those little little things that make up make a big difference. Yep. Pay attention and uh, and take notes. I'd love to talk to you longer, Pete, but I've got to go look up the word anecdotal, which you threw down. Uh, a few minutes ago, and I've got to see if you're, like, cussing me out or something here. Remember, when you're with me, never get past two syllables, okay? <laughs> well, then I won't use – look up anecdotal and empirical. And let oh, me know boy. what they mean. I have no idea either, but let me know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure we're still friends after you call me that, but I'll get back with you, okay? <laughs> Pete, have fun up there, all right? All right, Bill, we'll talk. <laughs> Hi, this is Pete Delkis on Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. When we're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. It's time to block the calendar for the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo 2023. Hi, I'm DSC Chief Executive Officer Corey Mason, and I am personally inviting you to this crown jewel of conservation. The DSC Convention and Sporting Expo is back at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center in Dallas, January 5th through the 8th. Hunts, guns, jewelry, clothing, and so much more. Please plan to join us and find more details at biggame.org. Get off the beach and into the action. Enjoy world-class Costa Rican sport fishing with Carib Sea Sport Fishing, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and more. Inshore, offshore, overnight, seamounts. Carib Sea Sport Fishing will work with your group to customize the perfect trip. Half day, full day, every day. Your next getaway is the best ever. Take a look at catchafishincostarica.com. Catchafishincostarica. Whether I'm still hunting January whitetails in wintry West Texas, November pheasants in snowy South Dakota, crappie through the Minnesota ice, or big brown trout in the cold waters of the Ozarks in the fall, I know that I'm going to be warm and comfortable enough to go all day long. It starts with foundational protection from the frigid extremes. My basics and essentials are Buffalo Wool Company socks, gloves, and neck gaiters. 
Here's Ron Miskin with Buffalo Wool. Well, I was really surprised when I got pictures back. He sent, went and did a 330-mile snowmobile trek up in Alaska, negative 30, Jason Muscox. He said second day he quit wearing his choppers, just wearing our gloves and hat. The buffalo fiber you make your products from, actually warmer than wool. Oh, yeah, much warmer than wool, a lot more durable. These are meant to be used and used hard. Learn the secret of the buffalo. TheBuffaloWoolCo.com TheBuffaloWoolCo.com There's a place I love to go in the pristine Texas hill country that features first-class lodging, outstanding cuisine, world-class wing shooting, the best free-range access deer hunting in the world, my favorite, by the way, plus native whitetails and turkey, and some of the most comfortable hosts that you've ever enjoyed. Don't forget to throw in the fly rod. You'll want to experience the crystal clear waters of Joshua Creek and the Guadalupe River. Rolling hills and Texas live oaks, friendly smiles, and spring-fed waters. Orvis and Beretta agree that Joshua Creek is one of the finest hunting and shooting ranches in existence. And I think you will, too. You won't find a prettier place to get married. And our staff and facilities will make your corporate event, family reunion, or private party turnkey and the best you'll ever experience. Joshua Creek Ranch in the historic Texas Hill Country between San Antonio and Fredericksburg. Want to go? Of course you do. JoshuaCreek.com The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple. To put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org Our office doesn't look out over the lake. It is the lake. This is Kender Outdoors. Brad Kovetska joining us on the show today. He knows more about quail than I will know in my lifetime. And I've studied these birds all of my life. I love them. <laughs> and we're tickled to have you. Thanks for hanging on, Brad. Thanks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in West Texas. You're on the board at the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch. What what projects are you guys working on out there? What's the direction there now? Yeah, I'm, I'm the executive director of the Research Foundation, and uh, we have we have a lot of things going on from right on the ranch to uh, to elsewhere. And one of one of the main things, and something I caught, I mentioned the Research Ranch, and, and just that little nuance, something that's changing in the vision and. And that really we're, we're rebranding to the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation. And what that really underscores is that um, the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch is our headquarters. It's about 4,800 acres um, northwest of Abilene by about an hour. And uh, 
that's always going to be our home, and that's our home base. That's where we do most of our research. But rebranding to underscore the research foundation really just underscores that saying that we look to do research and collaborate with folks across the region and, um, and again, use that our ranch where we can, you know, play around and, and dabble and, and not be afraid to mess up because um, that's how we learn. And uh, and then apply that and work with other folks across the region. So one thing is, is a little bit of rebranding and then hopefully elevating that brand awareness about quail conservation in the region. And if folks want to know more about what's going on there, uh, I guess Rolling Plains Research Foundation online, we can find you? Yeah, it's quailresearch.org. Um, and you can find the, the plethora of research that we've either done in the past or are doing currently. And uh, we... At any given time, I write some of these grant proposals, and, and really I could carve out just one one question that we're asking. But on the research ranch, we've been collecting data for about the last 15 years. So we have a long-term data set. Um, the workhorse of a lot of research is, is graduate student-driven. But the, the cool thing about the research ranch is that a graduate student with a two- or three-year project can walk into a 15-year data set. And then while not only just analyzing the data set, because we continue collecting that data through time, they can be part of that data collection process, but also they understand how things are uh, being managed, the ranch is being managed, and how the data is being collected, but also they get the benefit of a large data set. So uh, we, we have projects that range from supplemental feeding to um, quail survival, uh, really everything everything that we look at as far as uh, our research goes back to survival and reproduction because those two things are what make a population tick. And so what we try to do is pair our management, apply a management practice um, to multiple areas of the ranch and areas that don't have, you know, that those are our control plots or control regions. And then we look at the response of our management um, in terms of quail populations and survival and reproductive output. So survival of um, juveniles or chicks, we look at, and that's something new that we're looking at, and that's a whole other story, but um, looking at survival of different life history um, stages, looking at reproductive output, so the number of nests per hen, in relation to the management that we're doing. How does that relate to the number of cubby pines we have per hour? And how does that relate to, you know, survival and reproduction, essentially? Uh, well, before we get out of here today, Brad, talk to us a little bit about what you expect to see when we turn those bird dogs loose in West Texas and then South Texas. Well, this year, you know, I think we have to have realist, realistic expectations on uh, the West Texas front this year. We've, we've had last few years not a whole bunch of birds. And so for us to see population growth, we really have to have above average survival and above average average reproduction. As I mentioned, those two things are really important. So, uh, you know, we, we had about average survival and about average reproduction this year. So it's not, doesn't scare me that we're having a population crash, but it might be similar to last year. Well, last year wasn't too great um, for some folks. Um, but on the other hand, there are some folks that I, I hunted with in the rolling plains this last year that were moving eight or nine cubbies in an afternoon. Again, that was a quail property and as I mentioned before, management is key. So even in these regionally low years, um, properties can have okay quail populations, decent quail populations when they're really actively management, managing for quail. Now, on the South Texas front, um, they've, they're coming out of some years where they've had pretty good carryover. And not only have they had pretty good carryover, they've had a dry spring, but they had a lot of rain over the last month or so. 
And uh, that could bode well for a late hatch, and then they're known for pulling off some late hatches, kind of like that fourth quarter, uh, you know, football game where they turn the tides. And South Texas, they remain warm, warmer a little longer, and that's one of those cues that quail are using for nesting. And, and so uh, they got the rain. They'll have probably decent temperatures going um, into the next month or so. So they, they might have a decent hatch, and with a good carryover, they might have decent quail populations again this year. Hey, that's good. To, that's really good to hear. Don't forget to wear your snake boots when you go to South Texas. Right? <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We will visit again soon. Uh, I wish I had more time today, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling better about our quails right now than I have in a long time after talking to you. It's, it's good medicine for me, an old quail guy, okay? I appreciate it. Appreciate you having Glad, me. You bet. And if folks, uh, real quick, give us uh, give us uh, directions online once again for folks that want to look you up and keep up with what's happening. Yep. On the western front, it's quailresearch.org. And on the eastern front, it's talltimbers.org. Um, either one of those websites, you can find my contact information. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's bkabechka at talltimbers.org or bkabechka at quailresearch.org. Now, that last name is pretty tough, but... <laughs> uh, you could you can find my contact information on both of those websites. Very good, and also at kinderoutdoors.com. Brad, thank you so very much. Have a great quail season, great fall. Thanks. This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute, a focus on people that make a difference. The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, before we go, I did want to pass this along in case you hadn't heard the news yet, that Bassmaster Elite Series angler Jay Yellis is retiring from tournament competition. He's going to concentrate on his work with the Cast for Kids Foundation. Jay won the 2002 Bassmaster Classic, was Angler of the Year in Bass the following year, he says that was the pinnacle for him, Angler of the Year. It's something that he holds in really high regard. Jay had five victories and 56 top tens in bass. He earned $1.6 million in BASS and another million fishing FLW, where he won two Angler of the Year titles and qualified for 11 Forest Wood Cups. Those accomplishments earned his 2020 induction into the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame. Jay Yellis retiring from professional bass fishing to give his entire life in service to the Lord through these kids with the Cast for Kids Foundation. 
He says, I feel like it's what God has for me as the next chapter in my life. I never understood how he held up to the grind. You see, Jay lived or lives in Lincoln City, Oregon. There ain't many bass tournaments up there. They're catty corner all the way across the United States, but he did it and did it well. I think I'll give him a call this week and try to get him on the show with us next week. I hope you'll join us then, too. I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together and invite you back next time around. Till then, may God bless you and your bunch.